Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Well, they've done it again. What am I referring to? It looks like Malika Andrews is getting another huge promotion. Um, According to various reports, Malika Andrews will now be replacing Mike Greenberg as the host of the ESPN NBA finals. And it's official. Funny enough, we had already kind of planned content for the day, but then all of a sudden this information came out and I was like, okay, we, we definitely have to produce something around this. Now, for those of you who know, um, Malika Andrews has been with the network at ESPN for quite some time, but she seems to be a very polarizing figure. She's had a litany of, um, um, blowups with some of her colleagues on live television. Of course, we know the infamous one that she had with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN first take, uh, surrounding the Ime Udoka uh, situation where she went on the show and basically t- tried to dictate to him how, you know, you know how things are going to go and what he should talk about and what he shouldn't talk about. And Stephen A. Smith had to push back on that. She's also quite infamous for some of the things she said around um, various black players by bringing up their lowest moments at the worst time. For another example of that, the latest example, is when it took place during the NBA draft when uh, Brandon Miller, I believe he was the second overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, second or third, if if my memory serves me properly. And she brought up an incident that he was involved involved with, but nothing he was ever charged over. She brought that up during the draft. And a lot of us were sitting back asking the question, wait a minute, you bringing this up, what is this supposed to do? Are they going to, is it going to change his drafting position? Are they going to stand up the teams that are looking to draft them and say, hey, listen, no, no, we don't want him anymore. It's Michael Jordan at the time. And these guys are going to say, did you hear the report that Malika Andrews just said, uh, just put out about Mike Bring, uh, um, Brandon Miller? Now we have to change our tune. Like, why did you say that? Now, some people were saying that she was prompted to say that. Whatever the case was, those words came out of her mouth. We produced shows about it. And let me just tell you something. As someone that has produced quite a few shows about Malika Andrews, a lot of the viewers are not feeling her. They're not feeling her because they feel like she's anti-man. She doesn't like men, a certain type of men at least. And she's always seems to be angry at guys for some, for whatever reason. And none of us really understand it. Of course, there was a time where she disrespected the legacy of Kobe Bryant on television when Matt Barnes, who actually played with Kobe, was actually speaking about him. And she's like, no, 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 you have it all wrong. And this and this and this and this. So Malika Andrews has a good amount of people that she... Uh, polarizes. So then anyway, so I I heard about this story and I started to research it. And actually we found an article from Sports Illustrated that I actually want to read from. It starts off with the headline, ESPN's Malika Andrews to replace Mike Greenberg as NBA Finals host per report. The article then continues on. ESPN NBA, NBA Today's host Malika Andrews is set to become the new host of the NBA Finals for ESPN, according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. Andrews will add another marquee sporting event to her broadcasting duties when she replaces Mike Greenberg, who hosted the show for the past two years as part of ESPN's NBA countdown. The 28-year-old moves up in a new role at a time where the network has altered its top NBA talent since the conclusion of this year's NBA Finals. Longtime ESPN play-by-play man Mike Breen will now be joined by Doris Burke and Doc Rivers after the network laid off Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Initially, ESPN brought Greenberg to fix NBA countdown following a controversy involving 
Maria Taylor, and Rachel Nichols. The network reached a mutual agreement for Greenberg to leave the show due to his crowded schedule that includes weekday duties on Get Up and T- Get Up on TV and Greeny on ESPN Radio. Andrews will continue to host NBA Today in addition to her NBA Finals duties. She has hosted Countdown on multiple occasions in the past two years, but has not led the network's NBA Finals or signature editions of the show. Andrews previously served as one of ESPN silent reporters in the NBA bubble in 2020. So that's what the article had to say there. Here are my thoughts. You know, ESPN is a very, very interesting place. It's a very, very interesting place. Why do I say this? Well, we broke a story yesterday. We, I'm sure we weren't the first to do it, but we were amongst the first to do it. We broke the story yesterday that Rachel Nichols will now be hosting or be the host or the moderator uh, alongside Skip Bayless on the revamped Undisputed. We broke that story. We discussed this. For those of you who don't remember, Rachel Nichols was formerly uh, previously employed by ESPN. Now, why did Rachel Nichols leave ESPN? Well, according to ESPN, uh, according according to Rachel Nichols, she was in the NBA bubble and essentially she was talking and she had finished her show, her commentary, but her microphone was still on. Her microphone was still on and someone was recording her, which is something within itself. And the audio came out in the audio. She was expressing her displeasure with the fact that they were not they were going to be relieving her of her NBA finals duties after they had promised it to her, number one, and after she had worked for it. And instead, they were going to be awarding it to Maria Taylor at the time. And she was very, very upset because she felt like they were doing that to fulfill some type of quota, right? And she's like, wait a minute. Are you hiring this person or giving this person this job because they're qualified? Or are you doing it to fulfill some type of quota or whatever quota system that you want to fulfill? She was very upset. A lot of us produce shows around that. And to be fair, Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes came to her defense. Fantastic. Well, recently at ESPN, they opted to do a show that was produced only by women, only female commentators and, and our panelists and, and our host, and it was an all-woman show. And they did this. And I asked myself the question at the time, okay, why are you doing this? What is the purpose of doing this? Shouldn't you be hiring people based on their qualifications? and their abilities, why are you skewing in any particular direction? Because whenever you do things like that, it seems like you're pandering. It seems like you're pandering. And in an instant like that, you made it perfectly clear that, listen, no men allowed. No men allowed on this show. And the question is, why would you do that? Number one. Number two, let me give you guys some data. On our channel, um, Roughly 92 to 91 or say 90, let me say 91 to 93 percent of our viewers are all male. And I can always and I can almost almost guarantee you if you go to every single sports creator, you're going to be seeing maybe 90 percent men, 10 percent women, depending on the creator. 
Why am I saying this? The vast majority of people that watch sports, at least these sports, are men. Am I saying that women don't watch sports? No, I, I didn't say that, did I? What I'm saying is the vast majority of men watch the sport. So to me, the thing I just can't really seem to grasp is why is ESPN going out of its way to alienate its male, its male viewers? Number one. Number two, why is ESPN setting precedent that setting a precedent essentially says it's okay to disrespect your male colleagues and nothing happens? I'm going to harp back to the incident that took place between Malika Andrews and Stephen A. Smith. Ask yourself this honest question. If Stephen A. Smith had spoken to Malika Andrews the way she spoke to him, do you think Stephen A. Smith would have been able to walk off scot-free? Honestly. Do you think that if he was dictating to her what it's not going to be and how it's going to be, do you think Stephen A. Smith would have been able to walk away from that incident unscathed? The answer is no. But once the shoes were reversed, no issue with it. And to me, it says that ESPN is trying to send a message. Now, in the case of Malika Andrews, do I know her qualifications? No. Do I care to know her qualifications? You better believe I don't give a damn. You better believe I don't give a damn. But to me, whenever I see things like this take place, it always makes me question the real agenda behind the network. That's And that's a bad place to be as a network where people are now beginning to question whenever what, every single decision you make, people are wondering, is there an agenda behind this? It means that you have been doing things for a very long time that has caused people to become suspicious of you. What is unbelievable to me is given how polarizing Malika Andrews is and ESPN is not only pushing her, they're promoting her in the heaviest way. I, it's something I really don't understand. It's either they don't care what their viewers think or they're like, we're going to force feed you this whether you like it or not. And to be quite honest with you, the companies doing that are the companies that are failing. You would have to be a flagrant idiot to try to sell to your customers a product they don't want. You would have to have a lot of hubris to feel like, no, you're going to take this whether you like it or not. You will find yourself out of business very, very soon. If you if you own a hamburger joint and people love your hamburgers and all of a sudden you decide you want to start serving hot dogs and beef patties and people are like, bro, what are you doing? We, we love your hamburgers. And you're like, no, 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 no. The new thing is not it's like, but bro, we're here for hamburgers. If we wanted hot dogs, we'd go somewhere else. If we wanted beef patties, we'll go somewhere else. We love you for your hamburgers. And you're like, no, you're going to get guess what? You're going to start losing customers. So to me, I don't know what ESPN's angle is. But they seem to be going on full throttle with it. Only them and the good Lord knows what their next plan is. I absolutely don't get it. But to be quite honest with you, everything now seems like it has an agenda with that network. That's my view. And I think that's what a lot of our viewers think. And oh, I think people have the right to have that opinion. I'll close with this. We're living in a world where it seems like people can't have an opinion anymore. And if you have an opinion that some people disagree with, you're now being forced to apologize. What in the bloody hell is going on? Is that even constitutional? Uh, wait a minute. Am, am, I, am I getting this right? If I get into an argument with somebody at Starbucks, I need to apologize to this guy or this girl because what? I share a different view from them. Are you freaking kidding me? So why should their viewpoint take precedent over mine? Why? Why? We're living in a very strange world. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment.
uh, ESPN first take seems to be the place where arguments take place, right? There's always some type of viral moment happening on that show every two weeks whenever the NBA season and the NFL season are underway, right? So what happened? Last year, there was a major blowup on ESPN first take that was basically sparked by some comments that uh, Kendrick Perkins at the time made. What did he say? Basically, as you guys know, Nikola Jokic had won two um, regular season MVPs back to back, and he was leading the way to win his third consecutive MVP. And then Kendrick Perkins basically first came out there and started saying, well, he thinks that your man is stat padding, right? He's stat padding, he accused him of stat padding, and then Nikola Jokic's numbers started to tail off a little bit, taper off a little bit. Then Kendrick Perkins then went on ESPN and said he believes that maybe there's some type of racial bias uh, in the voters, and some people are probably going to vote for him because he's a white guy, right? So that took place, and then uh, uh, J.J. Reddick wasn't there that day. And then the following day, I guess they both came on the network together, and of course they set it up because they knew it was going to generate a lot of ratings. And on that particular show was Molly Karam, Stephen A. Smith, J.J. Reddick, and, um, and, and, uh, and Kendrick Perkins. And what basically ensued after that was an absolute, I mean, it was just an S show. It was, it, I mean, it was incredible. They were going back and forth with each other. They were shouting and all type of crazy stuff. And it generated a lot of headlines. So for those of you who don't remember what happened, I want you guys to take a listen to when uh, uh, JJ Reddick started going to Kendrick Perkins and he started shouting back and forth just to give you guys a quick refresher. Take a listen to that there. I want to I touch on something that they didn't bring up. This idea that Dirk and Steve Nash were uh, favored to win the MVP because they're white. Um, first of all, you stopped short at 1990. That was your cutoff point for players to win MVP not in the top 10 in points per game, which is a stupid stat to judge MVP on. This isn't middle school. 1990, Magic won it. In 89, Magic won it. 87, Magic won it. 87, he was 10th. Mm-hmm. 89, he was 15th. 90, he was 18th. Okay. Okay. We, we okay. judge MVP year to year. You also said the criteria or the goalposts change year to year for certain players. No, it doesn't. It, we it vote do. on the MVP. It Hold do. on. Hold on. It we do. vote on the MVP Hold based on, on that season. We vote on the MVP based on that season. It is a regular season award. Previous playoff runs have nothing to do with it. It's a regular season award for the most valuable player. And we can measure that, Perk. So maybe voters have gotten smarter. I want to talk about Dirk and Nash real quick, and I'll let you jump in. Dirk Nowitzki led the league in win shares in both 06 and 07. Led the league in offensive win shares in both 06 and 07. So, yeah, he wasn't top five or whatever he was, top 10 in scoring his MVP season. The Dallas Mavericks were 67 and 15. They had the best record in the NBA. In 05, Steve Nash was the driver of the number one offense in the league, a team that jumped 20 wins and had the best record in the NBA. In 06, 06 to me is one of the weirdest MVP seasons ever. You could make an argument Nash probably shouldn't have won it, but he was still the driver of the number one offense in the league. The two best teams that year, the Detroit Pistons, 64 wins. The San Antonio Spurs, 63 wins. Guess what? They didn't have a top. Their, their top scores weren't in the top 20. In the- Probably win eight games. Okay, so let's let's make that very, very clear. Now, 
since you want to talk about when I was saying and preaching about moving the goalposts, the reason I asked that question was for the simple fact that what I'm saying is I don't know the criteria no more. I don't know if it's because it's the number one seed. I don't know if it's the number six seed. I don't know how you judging is if we judging off of advanced stats or who's the most valuable player you take them off this team. We don't know. We don't know, but we do know this. Since you do want to bring it up, we do know this, that when it comes to MVP voting, when it comes to MVP voting, 80% of the MV, of the voters are, are white American. 20% are others. I know that stat. If you want to talk about advanced stat, I do know that one. Let's I, I, I want to say, I want to just say Let's something. Back, give, Stephen, give a, I, I mean, uh, Stephen, a, I, mean, I mean no offense to you, and I mean no offense to First Take, because I think this show is extremely valuable. It is an honor to be on this desk every day. It really is. But what we've just witnessed is the problem with this show, where we create narratives that do not exist in reality. The implication, what you are implying that the white voters that vote on NBA are racist, that are they, they favor white people. You I just not, said that. I you did, yes, not, you did. yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So you heard the exchange. So what happened? This morning, I was doing some research, and I came across uh, an audio, and apparently this is via Clutch Points, right? So Kendrick Perkins was on a show, and uh, via the uh, I think via the Pat, Patrick Beverly uh, podcast, and they were discussing a range of things, but in this particular clip, uh, they were asking Kendrick Perkins to clarify his position on the comments that he made about uh, what is it, um, Nikola Jokic and his exchange with JJ Reddick. So what we want to do is want to play what he had to say is a very short clip, only like a minute or so, and then want to come back and react to his comments. So take a listen to what uh, Kendrick Perkins had to say here. A big part of your job is takes, just having a take that's stimulating conversation-wise. And the one this year that got the most attention was you saying that Jokic being the front runner for MVP was because he was a white dude. So me and JJ got into a heated debate, man. And I love JJ Reddick, right? Here's the thing. The only problem that I had with JJ is when he said, I accuse people of being racist. I never accuse nobody of being racist, bro. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Racist is that you hate someone of another color. Am I right or am I wrong? When Obama ran for president, I know black people out of my community that never voted in their life. Me, personally, I never voted in my life. You know, I rushed to go vote for Obama because I actually wanted to see a black president in office. Does that make me racist? Does that make a black person racist? No, it don't. And it happens. Like, you ain't doing it intentionally, but just because you may be rooting for someone of your own kind doesn't make you a racist. So you heard his comments. Now, I want us to have an honest conversation. Kendrick Perkins said, he gave the example of when Obama was being, um, when he was, when, he, when it looked like he had an opportunity to win the, win the what is it, the, the, the presidency, the election, and he was a Democratic uh, Party candidate. And um, he said that he went out there to vote for him because he wanted to see a black guy win an election. And a lot of people admitted this. Steve Harvey and so many other people admitted this. Right. So um, I think that's true. Right. Even even me myself, because I was excited to see it. 
And I think that what Kendrick Perkins just pointed out was something that had to do with human nature, which is this. Am I saying that white people don't vote for black people? No, because Obama would never have won if that was the case. Am I saying that black people don't vote for white people? Well, no. People vote for their interests. However, it is true. And if you disagree, you're a bloody liar. It is true that, and I'm not saying that's what happened with with, uh, with um, Nikola Jokic, but the part of uh, when he said that people vote for people that they support, that may look like them, that may come from a similar place like them, that is 100% true. Otherwise, the World Cup would have zero significance. Hello? The majority of the people that watch the World Cup and they support the, they're supporting their countries. Nationalism does exist. There are also people that that will support somebody when they find out that they come from their own country. This is true. This is true. These are things that are real. If you find, if you, if you see a, a, a Korean guy and he finds out that, oh, I don't know, the person uh, that's going to be running for office or whatever it is, and he finds out his career, a part of him is going to want to see that guy win. Now, does it mean that that's the only thing he's going to take into consideration? No, but there's an aspect of that. People support other people that come from the same place that they do. White people, and I don't want to generalize it, white people because black people, because people come from different countries, you know, and it's true and it's absolutely true. You have certain communities that stick together all over the world. You could call it tribalism. You could call it whatever. It is a reality. And to act like it doesn't happen, you're being you're being flagrantly disingenuous. Now, does it mean that those people are not also weighing the facts? No. But does that element exist? Yes. Now, in the case of Nikola Jokic, it doesn't mean that those white voters are voting for him because he's white and only that. No, they could be voting for him because they think he's qualified. But could that also play a role? Well, absolutely it can. Absolutely it can. Who have I heard say this? Skip Bayless. I've heard Skip Bayless say on TV that if he sees a white athlete doing good, it also makes him feel good as a white guy to see another white guy doing good if it's in basketball or something like this. He admitted that. Now, does that make Skip Bayless a bad person? No, it makes him honest. But does that mean Skip Bayless doesn't support a Michael Jordan or doesn't support a Kevin Durant? Is Kevin Durant white like Skip Bayless? No. Does he support him? Yes. So two things can be true. And I think that had he said that before, I would have understood a little bit better. Now, there's some people who are going to say, you're making a right. I understand that those people are going to feel the way that they feel. And it's their opinion. It's their right to feel that way. I'm saying, though, however, that that thing exists. Trust me, it does. It absolutely does. There are some people, regardless of the race, all races do it. I don't care who you are. All of them do it. If they know that this two people are applying for a job, and both people are qualified, but this guy is maybe from their country or from their town. Some people are going to consider that guy over there. Is it wrong or right? It happens. And to act like as if this doesn't happen, you're just being, you're being, I think you're being extremely naive. It's something that happens across the board. People support people that come from the place that they come from, whether you like it or not. It doesn't mean that that's the only thing that they do. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. 
we're going to be talking a little bit about the comments that Austin Reeves made. Now, Austin Reeves uh, is a breakout star, right? The Lakers just just um, signed him on to a longer deal. But he was one of these guys that came pretty much out of nowhere and then turned out to be a hell of a player, a hell of a contributor, um, an integral part to what the Los Angeles Lakers are doing there. Great ball handler, great spacer, great uh, scoring threat. Um, and he, I think he makes the Los Angeles Lakers that more dynamic and a tougher team to guard, I think, is one of the reasons, obviously, that Rob Palink and these guys made it their business to ensure that they go out there and sign this guy. Another thing worth mentioning is that he's on the USA team and he's competing in the FIBA World Games. So that goes to show you just how far uh, Austin Reeves has come as an NBA player. So what happened? As you guys know, when you when you enter these tournaments, the spotlight is on you. You're being interviewed by a plethora um, of, of media publications and media sources. So what happened? Uh, Austin Reeves doing an interview was being asked about a range of things. And then the interviewer, and it was kind of like rapid fire. Uh, and then the interviewer kind of got to a part where he asked him about whether or not he thinks LeBron James is deserving of, uh, what is it? An, an NBA, uh, a statue as a Laker. And then he even started to ask him, you know, what do you think about LeBron? And then Austin Reeves went out there and said something that absolutely stunned me. So he said, uh, the, the quote says, there's been some debate about a statue. Are you in favor of LeBron's, of a LeBron statue? And he got, and he says, yeah, why not? Uh, you know, he came to LA at a time when, you know, it wasn't having much success and what it was and what and what was it two or three years now and put up a banner in the rafters so why not i mean in my opinion he's the greatest player to ever play uh the game and i don't think you can really argue that well i'm sure I, well i'm sure there are some people that will argue it because there's some uh, really good players but you know i've always said that you could name the best person that you can uh, that that you can think of that could do everything, scoring, rebounding, blah, blah, blah. And you can argue that Braun can compete at the top, uh, you know, in all categories. So, yeah, why not? So, essentially, those were his comments. Now, I can already tell that Austin Reeves is going to go into politics because he's already capping in front of the camera. I mean, my God. My goodness gracious. Now, we all know that uh, everyone is entitled to their opinion, absolutely. But to say that there's no argument that it's really not a debate. And then he caught himself and was like, oh, hold up, hold up. I'm wilding right now. Maybe I need to stop. LeBron is one of the top five greatest players in NBA history. <laughs> but if you notice, there is a top five, which means that there are other players that exist within that realm, meaning an argument can be made. There's some people that think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest player of all time. If you go look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career accomplishments, and what he actually did in his game, he has a very, very, very strong case. Dare I say, as strong as strong as a case is that anybody else has. If you look at Michael Jordan, I mean, go look at his thing. So when when, when he said that that you know there can't really be an argument and all of this stuff, I didn't understand that. Another thing that he said, which was quite surprising to me, was that if you look at all of the things that other players do at various categories, he could do that too. That's not true. And this is not a diss to LeBron James, but it's not true. I mean, if we look at um, if we look at Magic Johnson, for example, Magic Johnson is widely considered, wild, wildly considered, universally considered 
uh, to be the greatest point guard to ever, ever, ever play in the NBA. Well, Magic Johnson for his career averaged a double-double in assists. Magic Johnson had a season where he averaged 13 assists per game. He's had four seats. No, he's had how many? Wait, one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine seasons where he averaged at least 10 assists per game. Like, what are, we, what are we talking about? Magic Johnson has led that category nine times. If you look at another player, when he said, um, when he said, uh, uh, what is it? When he said he could lead in all categories, what about Larry Bird? And I think when you make statements like that, especially as an NBA player, you expose your lack of understanding of the game and the sport that you play, which is quite embarrassing, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it really, really is. Larry Bird, uh, for his career, Larry Bird averaged 10 rebounds a game for his career. Larry Bird has actually averaged over 10 rebounds for the first one, two, three, four, five, six years of his career. He averaged, uh, what is it, um, double-digit plus rebounds. Could LeBron average more rebounds than Larry Bird? Larry Bird led the league in free throw shooting percentage one, two, three, four, five times. What are we talking about? So to say something like that is absolutely ridiculous. You look at Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan led the league in scoring 10 times. 10 times he led his category for his position in defensive all teams. He led that nine times. He won the defensive player of the year, so he beat all of the defenders in the entire NBA. He beat them out. He won that category. He led the league in steals three times. So these are guys that have led in so many categories. But this is not to say that LeBron is not a great player. I just think that when Austin Reeves says something like that, he sounds like someone that really doesn't understand the history of the game that he plays. Now, to be fair, I think they put him in a very difficult spot. They really, really did. Because do you think LeBron James deserves a title in front of the... What do you expect him to say? No. Oh, no, I don't think he's done enough. What do you expect him to say? So he was put in a very, very difficult situation. Where do you think he ranks? Now, apart from him going all the way overboard, maybe he's saying that because that's his teammate and he wants to, but I heard that at one point at Austin Reeves, a Kobe guy. So I don't know. I don't really know who he likes. But to me, I think he also had to take the politically correct answer. Because what if he said no? Can you imagine the backlash if he said no? Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.